this is an interview with Heinz Niemann, um, master of Serafina, an engineer and a sailor. So Heinz, how did you, how, what, what led up to um, going to sea? Uh, a dream, childhood dream. From 16 years of age I read a book called Drifters and I was been sailing since I was eight years old. So I've always enjoyed sailing and I thought what better way of doing it than traveling. Um, the two combined very well. Um, I did a lot of traveling as a teenager and as a 20 year old but and a lot of sailing but never in my own boats. Um, and I got the opportunity to buy Serafina in 2011 and um, we've been sailing and cruising like since. So, from your accent, obviously you're not from Totten or anywhere local to Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born and raised in Geelong, Victoria, um, in the fair country of Australia. Um, grew up there, sailing at uh, Royal Geelong Yacht Club. Started in a 10-foot-6 dinghy and graduated to ocean racing. Um, I then moved over to Fremantle, which is the other side of Australia, near Perth where I competed in, again, ocean racing, race boats to Bali, competed in Soling World Championships and various other racing. Um, I then sailed from Melbourne to Japan, from uh, Australia up to Osaka, in the inaugural Melbourne-Osaka double-handed race, and carried on from there until I was about 30 when I got married. And that put the end to the travelling and the, uh, the seaward life at the time. So, what were you doing for work? Um, I qualified as a mechanical engineer in um, Perth at the uh, college there and then um, went on to work as a mechanical engineer commissioning heating ventilating systems in large buildings. Um, I carried on with that when I relocated to England in 1989 and then um, I gra gravitated into the heating side of the industry. The air conditioning wasn't so popular. And uh, for the last 20 years, I've been self-employed doing high-pressure gas mains maintenance. So what was it that attracted you to living on boats? Um, the living on the boats was a consequence of a divorce. After 20 years of marriage, uh, Debbie and I decided to part company. Um, my proceeds of the equity um, ended up buying Serafina. I lived on board because at the time I still had debts and I needed to do quite a lot of work on Serafina. And it was the most economical way. If you're going to pay marina fees, you may as well live on board and you get used to the boat and you get time in the evenings where you can do little jobs and keep the maintenance up together. Um, and then we had a five-year plan. so. Um, Five years after I bought her, we set sail and see what the cruising life's finally like. So, what would you say, how would you characterise your, your purpose in going sailing in, as a life at sea? The purpose is a combination of my love of travelling and my love of sailing. Um, I travelled a lot and to the point I probably was travelling for seven, eight years of my life, either in a camper van around Australia or backpacking throughout Asia and Europe. Um, always loved travelling, always loved meeting new people, 
seeing new places, eating new food, the whole concept of travelling. And the concept of doing it in a sailing boat brought two passions together for me. How would you go about explaining the, the um, thing that sailing gives you? I led um, a very high-pressure, stressful life when it came to um, the work environment that I was in. Uh, lots of hours, lots of deadlines, and uh, lots of normal things that we in uh, society take as granted or as a given now. Um, and I found that sailing in itself was something that, as soon as you put me on a boat, I didn't think about anything other than sailing that boat as best as I could. I wasn't worried about what the kids were doing, I wasn't worried about when the mortgage payment was coming from. I wasn't worried about any, all of those things that are always rolling around in the back of your head, um, plus the stresses of your job. Even for two hours on a Sunday morning with my mate Eddie, I'd go down and we'd sail his and race his Sigma 33 at Southampton Water. Those two hours were a total getaway from everything else that was going in my life. Would you say this is something that's becoming more popular? I think it's. I think you need to be a certain type of person um, for it to appeal. Um, I'm certainly anything but materialistic. I don't treasure possessions. I don't treasure very much in, in, in physical context. I treasure people and I treasure memories. And um, to me, I've always said, uh, any money you spend on making a me memory is money well spent. So what did you have to do? Um, you bought Serafina. What did you actually have to do to get her to to a state where she was ready to go anywhere? She was a very sound boat when I bought her. I did um, nearly two years of research in prior to buying her. Um, I looked at several and she was the one I wanted and, but I couldn't afford her at the time so I waited and made a good offer. Um, but from then on it was just a matter of updating her. Um, old electronics, modern day GPS. I mean Serafina's still got an RDF a radio direction finder. The beacons for seeking out and tra navigating by don't exist anymore. But just getting her up to date with the new state-of-the-art GPS systems, doing all the maintenance. At the end of the day, she is now 1971, 48-year-old boat, 47-year-old boat. She takes a lot of looking after, and um, things break. So I spent the five years getting together a tick list where I felt that she was safe and seaworthy to set sail it in, into the oceans. And uh, then we were sat one evening, Christmas time, Barbara and I, my partner, and uh, she said, you know, if we don't go, we're going to sit here working. We'll never have enough money. The boat's ready, we just need to go. And that was the decision made. We set sail and three months later. Do you think that's a problem a lot of people have, getting ready to get ready? I think the hardest part about going, travelling on a journey, um, whether it's backpacking, land-based in the camper van, or even on board a yacht, the hardest part, I always say, is closing the front door behind you. If you can manage to close the front door, everything else evolves and develops around that, and you deal with everything that you come across. Um, but shutting the front door, leaving your job, knowing that okay, it doesn't matter what happens, there'll be something for me the other side of the door. 
then uh, I think that's probably the hardest part, having the confidence to do that. So you signed up for the Atlantic Rally for Cruisers. What was, what, what was the appeal in that? Uh, the appeal to begin with was Barbara, my partner, um, had done some day sailing with her parents um, in Fremantle in Australia. Um, in fact, I'd done some day sailing with her. We met as teenagers. But uh, she's not um, an ocean-going, experienced yachtsman. So the idea of entering a little rally that um, has a group of boats and all kindred spirits, if you like, and supporting each other, other females to talk to, um, that appealed to us. It also made us shut the front door because it has a start date. So tell me a little bit about the race, what, what, or the rally, what, what, ha what happens uh, on that? Oh, it's strange because um, there's, there was 70 boats in the, um, we did the Arc Plus, which is a rally from Las Palmas via the Cape Verde Islands over to the Caribbean, to Antigua. And 70 boats set sail, and I think after the first night, we never saw another boat. So as though, all, uh, even as though the fact that there's 70 boats sailing, if you like, down the same motorway, down the trade, what we call the trade winds, you can't see them. And uh, it's only the boats that have the, the HF radio on board that communicate with you. We'd have a radio sked, and which is voluntary. Um, and if you wish to, you could partake in the radio sked. Just say hello, what your position is, any problems on board, if you need advice. Um, it's that sort of. I suppose the biggest part of it was helping the confidence level pre-start um, and the preparations, and also the party at the end. It's one big party. So what happened when you um, arrived in the Caribbean? Um, in the Caribbean, um, the party dissipates. Um, some boats stay on to do the World Arc, which um, for this boat, she's a little bit too old, a little bit too slow, and the World Arc is a little bit too quick. So the World Arc goes, starts from Antigua and goes off to Australia, breaks in Australia and then sails back to Antigua in 18 months, I think. Um, so we left the ARC group of people, and uh, we, the two of us then just went cruising, and we sailed through all of the Leeward and the Windward Islands, uh, calling off and staying as long as we wanted, where we wanted. Um, it was a type of experience where you like the place, you stay. Didn't particularly like the place, don't feel safe, we go. So uh, we spent the whole season in the Caribbean and doing that. We ha managed, we're lucky enough to help on um, Dominica with uh, some hurricane relief work and um, Barbara and I got involved in that. And there was a group of cruising boats that would go to that island and we would be talking to each other on the radios and saying, we need roofing nails, can you bring sheets or ropes or whatever they needed. We would try and pick up on the other islands, the European islands, such as uh, Martinique or Antigua that have European connections with places like Britain and France. They were pretty well so sorted. They also escaped the worst of the hurricane. Dominica was, we felt sorry for, she was there on her own and um, they needed all the help they could get. And the cruising community, there is a whole community out there of people doing this. They just all got together and offered what we could. 
is that a characteristic of that community do you think yes um you go anywhere and if you've got a problem there'll be a there'll be somebody that's had the same problem that will help explain knowledge is everything um or you know help repair something yeah that's the it's a very close-knit community what do you think you've got out of that that bit of sailing i made a lot of good friends a lot of good friends that um we're still in touch with we've all sailed our different ways um Stuart and Alison are in the Caribbean, Ricky and Steve are still over in um, Antigua, um, Serafina's now back in Southampton. Um, I, there's a list of, of friends and acquaintances and they're all people that I'd like to spend time with, enjoyed spending time with, and I'd like to spend time with again. Okay, so what would you advise someone who thought this sounded like quite a nice lifestyle? What would you advise them to do if they were interested? Learn to sail before you buy a boat. Know what you want to buy and take your time in planning it. Um, you need to handle a boat, be able to handle a boat, and you need to be able to sail shorthanded. So you need to be able to handle a boat with one or two people on board. On a, on a watch keeping system and yeah don't set your goals too high um, and don't set it too soon I've been sailing since I was eight um, and I have the experience but I think for somebody who's not done it before join your local yacht club sail a dinghy on a lake it's the best way to learn how to sail is to sail a dinghy and to get a feel for a boat and don't live the dream that someone else is imposing on you. Find your own dream. Heinz, thank you very much. Thank you, Simon.